Hey, everybody. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. I'm here with my co-host, Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you doing tonight, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, Ready for another uh, good week of football. Yes, definitely. Great week last week. And, uh, you know, good to have the bye for the Gators so I didn't have to fucking cry uh, and uh, be miserable all day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So uh, what, what we are is Hater Radio. It's a college football podcast. We're a brand about college football. We do articles uh, this week. Ian is going to have an article regarding the Florida Georgia game. So we'll discuss uh, uh, what we think the matchups will be like, how the offense defense go up against each other. Um, there's other articles. I might even put out something. I don't know. I, I may not have enough time. I was hoping to do it like Sunday or Monday, but I may not have enough time to do it this week. But regardless, there are articles there for usually before big games. Ian will do something. That's at haterradio.com. You can also also reach us at hater underscore radio for both Instagram and Twitter. And then, uh, Ian, what are your uh, social media handles for everyone to reach you? Uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter are all going to be under the uh, G Gator G moniker, capital G underscore Gator underscore capital G. Nice. And you can also reach us now under the Hater Radio uh, banner on um, YouTube. And we uh, we just put up the um, the video of us broadcasting from uh, USF Florida earlier this year. Uh, check it out. It's got some good footage from our friend Skyler uh, that she was able to capture a lot of good shots. And we, um, I pieced it together and uh, it looked really good. I thought we did it. You know, we had a really oh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. We had a lot of good footage and uh, you know, it uh, speaks well for us as a brand that we're able to put something like that out there and, you know, showcase who we are. Cause that's, you know, it shows who we are, you know, that's what a normal show is us talking about all a, a, a lot of the major storylines that go on with college football and, um, and how each show works is what we do is we do a rewind of the games that previously happened. And then we'll do a look at the Heisman standings, who we think are the best players in the in the country. Then we do a look at the possible playoff teams with the first four in, and then the last two out, the ones that are just closest um, on the door. I know that they had, I think tonight was the first rankings. Um, I didn't see it, but I don't know if you, did you see oh, it at all? Yeah, I think the playoff ranking was today. Or there was some show. I don't know if it was today or not. Let me see. Maybe I might have been mistaken. It. I just saw some I thought show. It was next week. Okay, you're probably right. Let me see. One second to verify, and then we can move on with ourselves. Uh, November 2nd. November 2nd, yeah. Okay, so it's next week. I guess it might be just one of those preliminary ones that are like getting you ready for it to come out. And I just thought that that meant it was it, but I uh, was mistaken. But anyways, regardless, we do a playoff look at, so we do the first four in and the last two out. And then lastly, what we do is a recap of, or um, a look ahead, sorry, of the next week's games, which we'll talk about as many games as we can. And we usually do any major storylines that go on with uh, each game. And we talk about as much as we can. And we do, 
typically anywhere from hour and a half to two to two and a half hours. It varies depending on what games we decide to cover. And I know it's usually my decision on that. And I know Ian's put in some two cents on some of the games, but mainly I just, uh, what I try to focus on are games that matter. Um, we also like to cover USF, uh, you know, and USC and UCLA this year. So, and Florida state and Miami as well. So we cover like all of those schools, including Florida. So we, cover most of the Florida teams, a good portion of the Southern teams. And, you know, now starting this year with the UCLA and USC, but then any major storylines, any team that really like stands out, like we started talking about coastal Carolina last year. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this year I even put in uh, to this week's games uh, wake forest. So that's another one that we need to start talking about because at this point they're, I think seven and oh, or eight, no, or whatever, but they're the, they're the best um, the best team in the ACC. So that stands out. I don't think they'll finish with that record, but you know, they may finish with one loss and that's, that's a huge accomplishment for a team that's always been pretty bad over the years. So let's, um, let's get into this, uh, this week's show. So to start off with, let's do the rewind from last week, from week eight. Um, last week we were, uh, doing the show live as Coastal Carolina was playing App State, and uh, App State won on a last-second field goal. Um, it was a bit of a back-and-forth game, like pretty interesting game. Like both solid teams. App State has had a you know pretty good run the last couple of years, and uh, Coastal was definitely um, a game to you know withstand that. And it was also uh, you know it's it was probably coastal's last tough opponent. And if coastal had gotten through app state, they probably would have went undefeated and who knows, maybe they would have gotten a new year six, but as, as of what happened, they're no longer it's not looking. Get, it's not yeah, looking good. It doesn't look good. So and with the losses uh, as well, that uh, catapults uh, app state into first place in the uh, Sunbelt East uh, division. So that game, cause uh App State's only other loss was to Miami, so that was the build up to that. That this could be, this could decide the division. And if it goes the way it does, which App State's schedule for the remainder um, isn't overly challenging, Arkansas State and definitely Georgia Southern—that's a rivalry game at the end of the year. That is always going to be, you know, a bit of a trouble. Georgia Southern is not having a good year, but I mean, it's a rivalry game, but. It's potentially looking like uh, the Raging Cajuns versus the Mountaineers with this win for the uh, uh, for App State over Coastal Carolina, and it was a close one too. It was everything was built up for it. It was a shame we didn't get to it because I actually would have been right. I called App State with the upset. Um, as much as I you know love Coastal Carolina, their teal field and their teal uniforms. Uh, App State has definitely proven uh, themselves to be, uh, you know, one of the most consistent teams in the Sun Belt and a group of five. Uh, you can't really sweep on them, no matter the uh, score, because they always give you, uh, they'll always give you uh, a fight. Yeah, and you've been probably their biggest, uh, their biggest fan since last year, and you know, it's. Um... A lot of been, those teams in the Sun Belt. It's a fun Coastal Carolina, App State, Raging Cajuns is a fun. It's like it's the funnest conference out of all the. And I'm being dead serious. I think the Sun Belt is the most fun conference to watch, uh, with all the exciting teams in it. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good play at all those teams. You know, they're not the most talented, but they're definitely have had really good coaches over the last couple of years. And um, because of that, they, they, they these teams have performed quite well. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's uh, it's crazy because, like, I would say probably 10 years ago, all those teams were terrible. And that conference was like oh, yeah. a joke. But now it's like, I don't know, it's, you know, people take it seriously. You know, the last year with Coastal Carolina going undefeated and it's like, um, you know, and they beat BYU in that big matchup where it was like, you know, it seemed like they were, you know, making up games and like changing who was playing who at the last second, the last yeah, year, doing whatever was, they could to get the big games in. Yeah. Yeah. Which was great. I did love that aspect of last year. Cause you kind of didn't know what was going on from week to week. You had to like basically just be like, cause we didn't even know certain weeks. It'd be like Monday, you know, they might be playing whatever. And then like they get a bunch of COVID positive tests and then it's like, boom, they're playing BYU. And it's like, yeah, what it's, the hell? It's crazy. Like, yeah, it was wild. And I, um, I do think it's the, the, that was the thing. A lot of people mentioned that too. And uh, cause you know, with all the movement going on in college uh, football teams, like moving the American conference had the invitations and they left out App State and Coastal, which I thought was a joke. I thought that would have been great for the American Conference to have those teams in because those those are some of the best teams in all of Group of Five, um, yeah. and they can definitely elevate the level of play of the conference. But they didn't receive uh, any invitation. Yeah, I don't know what uh, went into that. Why they decided not to go with those guys? I think Coastal is. Uh, a smaller fan base in a smaller town. So it's not State's like even smaller too. That, that, so I, that's that for might sure. be largely what it was. Cause I think some of the ones they went after were specifically ones that could bring in um, bigger media markets and, you know, cause they're losing Cincinnati and they're losing, what was the other one? UCF, which Orlando's a big market. They're losing um, uh, Cincinnati. UCF is moving to the big 12. I don't remember who else. I think there might be another one. Yeah, I think there's two. I think there's two more. I can't remember specifically. Um, teams going to Big 12. Let's see. Uh, I think Houston. Houston. Yeah, yeah, Houston. Yeah, Houston. And looks like BYU is going to the Big 12 as well. Yeah, well, they were yeah. independent. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, they, yeah. I remember they sent the invitations, the American, they gave it to um, uh, the UTSA Roadrunners, uh, which I didn't have a problem with. UAB is going to get in, which I don't have a problem with. UAB has done a you know, great job rebuilding itself. Yeah. Um, but, you know, FAU was a okay pick, especially, you know, but again, that's a decent size. But then they have a decent size market. I know Rice is getting in, and Charlotte again is another decent size market. I think Rice is in. I think it's in the Texas. It's. I know it's in Texas. I think it's the Houston area. Let me see. Rice owls. Um. Yeah, it's in Houston. Yeah, exactly. So they're losing Houston. But they're gaining, gaining another Houston. Houston yeah, another <laughs> they're Houston swapping team. them out. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm more of a, you know, me with, you know, the football aspect and the market aspect of it. I would have loved to see uh, Coastal and uh, App State or even, you know, 
uh, Louisiana come in. Um, yeah, for sure. To that. Especially if they play USF, that'd be because they would be in the Eastern Division. That'd be great to see them in you know more in person. Yeah. Well, hey, let's let's move on because we spent a lot of time on that. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, another AAC matchup. Uh, well, speaking of AAC, we're going to talk about the Tulane SMU game. So SMU wins fifty five to twenty six and pretty much smokes Tulane, and it wasn't even really close at all. And uh, you know, Mordecai looked really good again. Um, doing his thing, you know, quietly having a solid year and no one's talking about him. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's he's, tied. I know he's tied for touchdown passes in the, uh, on the year right now uh, with 29. Yeah. And, it, and it, he's having a sensational year. Yeah. But you wouldn't like, you've not heard a single like mention of him being in the Heisman running at all because he's at SMU and SMU I think they lost to a Big 12 team, so they're not undefeated. No, SMU's undefeated. They're undefeated? Yeah, SMU's undefeated. Credit, uh, they beat the Big 12 team they played was TCU, and they TCU uh, beat them. TCU, and they beat them. Okay, yeah. so I thought they lost that game. Okay, so undefeated. Let's see. Uh, wow. I, I mean, I knew Houston was having a decent year. I didn't realize they were 6-1. and one. That's huge. Wow. And, you know, we have, uh, what is it, that game we're going to talk about later, the SMU-Houston game. So that's something oh, yeah. that but, – uh, uh, but anything interesting here from your standpoint? Because I think it was just pretty a run, run-of-the-mill blowout for the most part. It was it was kind of a runaway. Uh, definitely SMU had complete control, and it only uh, – Tulane only kind of made a comeback effort, you know, you know too little, too late. Um, in the end, uh, but yeah, uh, Mordecai had a fantastic game. Um, and that one, I think he had over uh, 400 yards, uh, passing with three touchdowns. And his, I don't know what this completion percentage was, but I think it was like 30 for 42, which was very good. And he had a couple rushes there, but the time of possession was what really, um, made the difference. They had, I think, 34 minutes of possession and over 600 yards. So it was just a complete, um, kind of you know. Uh, car show pretty much for SMU uh, kind of running cir- circles around uh, Tulane offensively because it just showed not that Tulane was bad it's just it just showed how much more superior offensively SMU was this season yeah definitely and they'll they're gonna have a couple of good matchups coming up so you know we'll see what uh, what this SMU team is all about which is great I love the the teams that have the potential to be good get the ability to play big games because that is the important thing because, you know, certain times where there's certain schedules, certain teams don't play anybody all year. And then it's frustrating to be like, how good is this team if they've never played anybody? But SMU is going to play people. Cincinnati still has a couple big games. Uh, Michigan has some big games. Michigan State has some big games. Ohio State has some big games. You know, Ole Miss, all these teams that are like potentially playoff worthy, potentially um, uh, New Year's Six uh, Bowl worthy. They're going to get their day in the sun. So we'll see. Let's move on. LSU, Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss just kind of handed it to them. You know, it 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 looked deceptive because it's only 31-17. But, you know, besides LSU going up 7 nothing in a 
think it might have been ten nothing at one point. I think so. Uh, no, it was seven nothing, and oh. then but then Ole Miss completely took it away. And uh, you know, dude, the dude, I'm so frustrated because of how uh, little LSU ran the ball. And, you know, how much, yeah. you know, the Gators got destroyed by the run the week previously. And it's like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't just, I just don't understand what happened with that, uh, that Florida defense, why they got destroyed by that counterplay and Ole Miss who has a terrible defense, like, you know, one of the yeah, worst it, in the country. And yet they, they completely held them in check. Like they barely passed the ball, which, you know, they barely passed the ball against Florida, but you know, they, they didn't run the ball at all. Like, I think it was like 77 yards or some shit like that. And I was just like, geez, man, like, how is that even possible? But Matt Corral proving once again that he is fully capable of maintaining this uh, front runner status in the Heisman race. You know, we only have a few more weeks. You know, this week coming up is a huge game for him. So we'll see what happens there. But like, he just keeps impressing. I mean, he's only really had one bad game, and he wasn't even that terrible against Alabama. So, um, you know, he could – he has, like, everything about him screams Heisman. So, like – and so does Bryce Young. Both of those guys are very capable, and uh, that's giving away my Heisman picks. But that's just is what it is. That's just the reality yeah. right now. It It is those two, and there is a third that I – I know you saw them and I will give you praise for when we talk about it, but I'll save that for a second. So let's move on. Speaking of that candidate right now, actually Clemson Pitt. I mean, dude, this, this is a remarkable story because this is a team much like the Michigan state team, much like the Ole Miss team. This is this flying under the radar, uh, 27 to 17 beats Clemson. Um, Ian, what are your thoughts on this game? No, I'm I'm right there with you with uh, you know, this, this game and uh, especially obviously the story of Kenny Pickett um, having another you know great game, uh, just letting them air the ball out. Uh, I think you know this shows more about you know Pitt, it tells more about Pitt willing to step up uh, in the big game because this was obviously their biggest game of the year of uh, because you know. Clemson, we kind of don't expect, you know, to fold like this, but, you know, they have. Um, and, you know, Pitt didn't, you know, let up off the gas at all. And they didn't like Clemson. Clemson could have easily, you know, had, you know, one of those ambush type games and came back in this. But Pitt's, you know, did a great job, especially relying on Kenny Pitt, relying on the passing game and and that and relying on the defense too. They knew the Clemson offense uh was struggling, so they didn't do anything to help them out. They kept two linebackers uh straight into the box and kept pressuring them right in down the middle. So there was no room. The only way Clemson was going to get any yards was 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 that they were going to have to go outside. And that's not what Clemson's really used to, those boot plays, those toss plays. They're not used to. I mean, I think I think it showed um the uh, kind of I guess what you call it a pick six when it was the, you know, ukulele had a little shovel pass and then it got turned yeah, over and went the other yeah, it's way. Yeah, it's a pick. Yeah, because it, 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 yeah, I guess that counts as a pick. Yeah, because it's a, it's a forward momentum with pass, the ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know what you could, yeah, because I've heard people say that's a fumble or whatever. But regardless, you know, that just showed that they were willing to, you know, pressure the front of the defense. That's what I'm getting at here is that the uh, defense should be uh, praised as well. But also, 
you know, for forcing the turnovers. But Pitt was also just smart in this one. Clemson still has a lot of talent. So what do you do? You keep the ball away from them. So I think Pitt almost had 40 minutes of possession time because, you know, it was – I remember when 24 to – 10 or around that time, it was like 21 to seven um, entering, you know, still early in the third, but Pitt just, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say coaxed where they were kind of in, I, it sounds bad, but kind of went into prevent mode. They were just preventing the big plays, preventing Clemson from getting back into it. And especially when they had the ball, making sure to eat up as much clock as possible to give them as little time as possible to come back into it. And that's exactly what happened. This is by far the best win um, Pitt has had on the season so far. Um, season's uh, not over yet, but it's definitely a good look uh, for them as uh, I think with them based on their record and with it being, because they're undefeated in conference play, they still hold the division lead in uh coastal in the coastal division. Yeah. And they would, um, they would match up uh, with, uh, with Wake Forest in the championship game, I believe in the ACC. Um you know, I've been watching this team for, I think, two years now, and I've always been, like, intrigued by this team, especially with Pickett as the quarterback, because he's been able to move the team down the field, like, tremendously well. The one issue that they had the two years ago when I was watching them and, like, keying on them was they were always in close games. But what seemed to be their biggest problem was they weren't able to finish drives, and it was really, mm-hmm. like, it was – it was just remarkable how unable they were to finish those drives. And now it's like, it's turning around where they are finishing able to cash in. And now it's like, dude, they can move the ball on anybody. They moved it on a good Clemson defense. Um, You know, they're six and one undefeated in the conference. They still have a lot of games uh, in front of them, which, you know, the game this week we'll talk about, but there's, you know, a game against North Carolina and Virginia that are sticking out there. Not terribly tough teams this year because both North Carolina and Virginia have been kind of like middle of the road. But um, the game next week or this week coming up, Miami, that'll be considering Miami just beat NC State. And we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But a lot out there for Pitt. If they keep winning, if they, man, if they can go, um, 11 and one, and then win the ACC. I don't think they'll get in the playoff just because I don't know what was their loss. Their loss was to, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of a crowded, they lost to Western, Western Michigan this year. And that's going to be, uh, yeah, that that's going to be that tough. Just to looks tough. Like, I don't see how you can overcome that, but they it's haven't so, had it like a big one because we got to remember this is not the same Clemson, like number one ranked Clemson. Right. They haven't yet had a big outright win. They've been getting good wins for sure, but it's not, they, they haven't did, had like, you know, that big knocking off the giant. Uh, they did moment. beat Tennessee on the road, which that's looking better and they better. They did beat Tennessee, every week. and that does look yeah, really that's good. That's a better, that's a better. That is probably their best win on the year. Oh, yeah, by far. Um, but again, Kenny Pickett, man, like, Phenomenal performance and definitely surprise, surprise is now in the uh, hunt for the Heisman kind of dark horse, but you never know because he's putting up crazy huge numbers and he only has one interception so far this year. So like, I think it's 29 touchdowns to one interception or something like 20 something 
I didn't see it. It's something like that. It's it's something something high touchdown wise to only one interception. So let's move on. Okay. Oklahoma state, Iowa state, uh, very good game back and forth. Iowa state, you know, it's been very tough for them this year. They already suffered a couple of losses and pretty much uh, ruined their chance at really doing uh, big things this year, but they knock off a very good undefeated Oklahoma state team win 24-21, and now, because of that win, they hold the um, the advantage in the Big 12. So if it comes down to it, regardless of what Oklahoma State does, Iowa State holds the advantage over o- Oklahoma State and will go in, and it potentially will be against Oklahoma. And I don't think – I think Oklahoma already beat Iowa State, right? Uh, no, Iowa State lost to – their two losses are to Iowa and Baylor. I don't think they played Oklahoma yet. Okay, well, there there you go right there. So that tells you with that game being – oh, wow, what a huge – man. Dude, look at this run for uh, Oklahoma. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second more, but Oklahoma plays Baylor November 13th, then Iowa State, then Oklahoma State. That is – That's a – that, that's that a is kind of three-headed monster there. That's the toughest run probably anybody's going to have the rest of the year. Um, good thing they get a, a real softball this Saturday against Texas Tech. Okay. Yeah. Um, anything that stands out to you this game noteworthy-wise that you, you thought that there really needs to be talked about? Um, just the fact that it sucks that I thought, you know, I thought Iowa State – or I'm sorry, Oklahoma State, you know, that was kind of a semi-upset pick. Um, cause technically Iowa state was favored. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I, I picked Oklahoma state to win that one. Um, nothing just, you know, Iowa state showed, you know, it kind of was a callback to their offense was last yeah, year. We, they able to, we both had Oklahoma state winning that. So we were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was kind of a callback to, you know, how Iowa state ran the offense last year, definitely having it where they pull the linebackers in and throwing it over the top, yeah. uh, you know, to, you know, really gash the defense there. Um, I thought the defense would play better for Oklahoma State, but that attack just, you know, w- was unbeatable uh, that game. Yeah, and, you know, it's um, it's a shame because Oklahoma State's been playing really good defense, and they still played solid in this one, you know, solid enough to win it, uh, but they barely lose. They lose by three points, and it was a close game. Oh, the one thing that I wanted to mention, did you see that fourth down conversion at the end of the game? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think I do for Oklahoma, for Oklahoma state. I could have swore that they converted it. It looked like it to me. I'm going to look at my Twitter profile because I mentioned something about it. Um, it was so damn close and I was surprised that, uh, they didn't get it. Um, let's see, do I have it? Maybe I don't have it, but I was just. I was blown away that they didn't get it. And it was um, because it looks so damn close. It really was. And uh, it's frustrating to lose on something like that because it's like, um, you know, you, you, it's basically like out of your hands because it was so close. I just think it was like the guy was like falling and it looked like he went over the line as he was like going and they just didn't call it or whatever. I don't know. I didn't get a full details. I just saw the highlight package and was 
going off that. But regardless, I still like Oklahoma State playing the re- playing very well the rest of this year. But Iowa State has the potential to crash the party and oh, yeah. get in there. So we'll see. And Oklahoma, another good team. I know we don't have it as one of the games. But let's talk about it real quick. Uh, Oklahoma beating Kansas. That was a freaking close-ass game, and it's sh- – yeah, that like, was way closer than it needed to be. Dude, I thought Kansas might have been taking it at some point, but Oklahoma made the plays. I mean, especially that crazy uh, second handoff that Caleb Williams stole yeah, yeah. the ball from the Is running it, back. Somebody said a thing, Caleb Williams' best play this year was a gain of two yards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that was huge because they ended up extending the drive and then scoring later on. So, um, you know, uh, Oklahoma continues their – undefeated uh streak start to the season and uh you know now uh they'll look to continue this against those big teams coming up like we said so uh you know let's move on though we're gonna move on to this is a big game and i loved it i i recorded it because i was at a concert all day on saturday but i re-watched it uh when i came home yesterday fucking phenomenal game oregon ucla Back and forth, uh, UCLA started up 14 nothing, which I didn't get to see because that stupid-ass Penn State-Illinois uh, game, which I don't even oh, really yeah. care about went, talking went about. Like 100 overtime. Yeah, yeah. Well, the garbage, garbage Big Ten teams, again, proving themselves. A gar- like Penn State's one of their better teams and lost to like a terrible Illinois team. Um, regardless, well, I was just more mad at the fact that the whole reason that two point conversion rule was made in overtime is because the AM LSU game. I remember watching right. it and I was annoyed because they kept it was like one play and they kept missing it. But I was in my head, I was like, what was wrong with the old overtime? I get the whole reason they did it was because oh, they didn't want another like LSU. Texas A&M style game, but I was like, dude, that happens once in a Haley's comment. That never happens. This is going to happen more. You have one play to get two yards. It's a lot harder than it sounds. Yeah. Well, you know, with the overtime stuff, I really don't know what's best because a lot of people don't really like the NFL overtime. I don't um, I, I think both teams should have a shot to at least score. I say at right. least for the NFL, you start. This is my, you know, this is my layup. Again, I'm not a big NFL guy. I'm not as invested into it as I am with college football. But if I were in charge, I would have it where both teams start at the 50-yard line and you go from there. So, like, each get a, gets a possession regardless. Yeah, each gets his possession. It starts at the 50-yard line. It's different. I think college football is good when it starts at the 25-yard line. Uh, but for the NFL, 50-yard line, you kick a field goal, and it's in. The other team has a has a shot to do the same. What about if they score a touchdown, though? What happens then? The other team gets a, gets a chance. If the one team could score in 50 yards, uh, then the other team should be have an opportunity to score within 50 yards. The problem with that is they worry about injuries. And I think that's the whole key of all of this is like, they're worrying about the longer the game goes, the more tired people become, the more more tired results in injuries. So that's where there is an issue. It's very tough because if you do like an overtime where you're talking about where you're doing 50 yard line and then score, score type thing, then you have to do a third possession and that bleeds into almost into another overtime. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm they with you. almost what, what they should do. If they're going to do what you're talking about, they should do it untimed and do it so that 
just the possession goes as long as it needs to be so that they can like, you know, slow down or whatever, you know, obviously there's a game clock, but not or a play clock, but nothing like crazy, but regardless, it's, it's something that's very difficult, you know, especially because they don't want, they don't want ties, which, you know, ties suck, which I'm glad they got rid of, you know, 24 years ago, which is, Phenomenal that there's no more ties in college football. Um, yeah. There's still ties in NFL, though, but that's very rare. That's only if they get through uh, the overtime period. But uh, regardless, let's move on. Uh, so Oregon, UCLA, it, we got off topic talking about the overtimes. But, yeah, yeah, the overtime. Uh, <laughs> but Oregon, uh, UCLA went up 14 nothing. Then Oregon Stormback scored 34 straight points. Then UCLA scores two touchdowns. And it becomes a really tight game. It's 34-31. UCLA gets the ball with like a minute or so left. They're driving down the field. Uh, DTR, um, I can't remember his full name, but I just always go by DTR. DTR gets hurt. Um, He goes out, and then the, the backup comes in. I can't remember his name, but he... Did okay at first and then throws a stupid ass pick because it was kind of in the range of being able to maybe hit a long field goal. And if he just doesn't throw the pick, they've got a chance there. And it just was like, oh man, terrible. And I feel bad for those guys. It was a very close game. Uh, Brown for Oregon threw three picks, but he had a lot of solid play. Besides that, he had like over like 250 yards passing, I believe. And then like uh, a, a huge touchdown run near the end of the game. Um, just, you know, dude, that one guy uh, for Oregon, the defensive player, the Thibodeau, the like free. Oh, yeah, uh, Thibodeau, a, he, was, yeah, uh, he was back in. Dude, man, he is. He was a difference a maker in that force. game. He is a force, like definitely going like top 10, top five next year in the draft and totally deserves every penny that he's getting. Um, just a phenomenal player, phenomenal athlete, just really uh, a joy to watch. Um, okay, let's move on real quick. Tennessee, Alabama. Uh, it was <laughs> Tennessee up at one point during this game, but then Alabama smokes them in the fourth quarter, 52-24. What stood out to you, Ian? Uh, <laughs> just the fact that I know – I. I have a buddy who's a Tennessee fan. He goes, I am so sick and tired and pissed of having to play Alabama, Georgia, and Florida every freaking year. <laughs> he texts because there's the rule in the SEC. And the SEC, there's one, especially now, um, with, uh, you know, across division teams, you're allowed to play one consistent cross of it. So Georgia always will always play Auburn. Florida will always play LSU. And that means Tennessee will always play Alabama. And he says, you know, we should have done better negotiating over that crap because that was that's a joke. But regardless, Tennessee was going blow for blow with Bama. Um, it's what I've been saying all year with the offense just looks better uh, with that, you know, kind of attack with Hendon Hooker. And I get during the second half, Alabama figured him out. Uh, but. When, uh, you know, Tennessee was kind of what they were doing was trying to get them off balance, get that defense off balance, kind of spread them out. Similar, AM kind of did something similar, spread them out, get the secondary linebackers to move out and maybe get those plays down the middle uh, to have better one-on-one matchups, which is easier said than done, obviously, against playing Bama. Um, 
But overall, you know, Alabama kind of, you know, kicked it into gear, uh, especially uh, during the fourth quarter. Um, I, I think it was like 24-31, Bama had the lead. And then at that point, Bama put on uh, the Jets. And it was at that point, it became it didn't become an Alabama game. It became a Nick Saban game. I knew as soon as the fourth, going into the second half, um, and especially when I was looking at time of possession, I was like, the Saban's gotten right where they want him. Cause I think at the end of the game, Saban was, or Alabama had 40 minutes time possession and over 500 yards. They weren't giving Tennessee. They had, I, I made a joke. I said, he, they let Tennessee have their front of the first half and then Alabama, you know, took over and, you know, took control of the game. And that's exactly what happened. It was definitely a good game for Tennessee. Nothing to be totally shamed up, but Alabama woke up fighting, you know, showed why they are still one of the top forces in the country. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, Alabama, they might mess around and, you know, not really put it to people at some point, but then it's like, they're one of those teams that can just like turn on the afterburners and like switch gears and boom, you know, score 20 points at the end, which, you know, not every team is capable of that, but definitely this offense is um, very high functioning with uh, Bryce Young and their bevy of running backs and bevy of wide receivers. I mean, no, if like one guy, Robinson and and Jamison, that's his name, right? Jamison is that the kid number one for Alabama? Uh, I, there's so many of them. I know there's Will. Williams. Well, I know uh, yeah, Jameson Williams. Yeah, Jameson Williams. Mitchie, Jam- and then there's William. I think his first name is Jameson Williams. Yeah. Yeah. J- um, dude, those are that the, kid, those are the two. Jameson, man, he is fast as shit. Probably one of the fastest receivers in all of college football. And he just, I mean, he gets by people. That's just pretty much what it is. And it's uh um, you know, it's impressive. But uh, Tennessee, like you said, is looking better and um, just as just frustrating that they got to play all these tough teams. I am curious to see what they do against Georgia coming up. Um, it's another, you know, test for them to see how they're competing with all these big teams, but not a terrible year for them. I mean, losses to Ole Miss, lost to Florida, lost to Pittsburgh, lost to Alabama, but they're blowing away the bad teams, which is a good sign because that means hopefully they're on the verge of turning the corner. We'll see, though. We'll see. I especially want to see what happens in that Georgia game. Okay, so let's move on. Um, I'm just going to cover it real quick. USF beats Temple. Um, D- Ian did not have faith in USF winning. I did. USF wins 34 Don't need to call 14. me out that bad, dude. I, I like USF, too. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you, dude. Come on now. Uh, No, but uh, USF wins, gets their second win. Um, First win against an FBS team in two years, which is crazy it's been that long. But uh, get off the snide. They played really well. They had a solid performance. Um, They had their most rushing yards ever in that game. Uh, Yeah. Uh, the running back uh, Mangan, or since with an M, uh, he had a solid Man, Man, game. Mangham, 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 Mangham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's had a solid year. Like I think he has like over twelve touchdowns or something like that. And um, you know, Timmy McLean, I love the kid. Um, he's been performing very well. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens next year, but it's. 
I'm liking their chances this year to get at least two more wins. So if they can get two more wins, I'll be happy with a four and eight season. I mean, it, it sucks to say that, but that's just what it is right now. The, the uh, reality of uh, what's going on with that team. So let's move on. Uh, I will say, I do want to mention yeah, uh, yeah. my cousin was at that game. Yeah. I told him if since that was their first win against an FBS team, the crowd wasn't overly large, um, which I wasn't surprised the Lightning were playing that night too. Uh, but I did, <laughs> I did say, dude, they just beat an FBS team for the first time in two years. If Kansas stormed the field for that, you guys should storm the field for that too. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> would have been I the mean, smallest storming the field, but still, yeah, yeah. it would have been worth it. The the fan has stormed the field. The fan has stormed the field. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, USC Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame pretty much handled USC in this one. It was, you know, relatively easy for Notre Dame in this one. Thirty-one sixteen. Uh, anything that stands out to you, Ian? Uh, okay, you know, this game just went the way I, I kind of expected. Um, Notre Dame. You know, like I said, they haven't been the most overly convincing team. Uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but, you know, I just thought with everything that's going on with USC, USC definitely has the talent. It's just not everything is like put together. It's, it's all there right now. Um, so, you know, they, you know, took control of that game. Um, it wasn't, like I said, it, nobody really had a fantastic game. Cone, Williams, those guys, it was a, a pretty good, you know, perform. It was a, as expected performance. Um and, you know, USC definitely made it close in the fourth quarter. I know there was like, you know, 24 to 16 in the fourth quarter. So they had a shot um, at tying it. But uh, Notre Dame just, uh, you know, scored one more touchdown. And that that was uh, all they wrote for that game. Uh, all right. I'm going to do this next one really quick. So Texas A&M beats uh, South Carolina 44-14. Nothing really like, stood out to me. Just I know that. Uh, Spiller and um, God, what's the other guy's name? Uh, zero, a zero for Texas AM. Oh, um, no, it's not, yeah, that's not I think a Weidemeyer had a touchdown, and a zero is the like he plays running back, tailback, uh, wide receiver. He's like a return specialist as well. He does like everything for them. I can't uh, remember. I'm trying to remember. I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, we, we talked about him yesterday, like West. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Williams, maybe. I don't think it was Williams. Uh, um, give me. Oh, geez. Um, I'm looking it up on. Yeah, hang on. Number zero. Anaya Smith. Okay, sorry. Williams. Yeah, Smith, okay, one yeah. of those general names. Yeah, he, he's just, I don't know. He didn't have a crazy amount of uh, receiving yards, but he... Um, killed it in the return game. And uh, yeah, he had a touchdown punt return. And then I think, he, I guess he didn't have any kickoff returns. I thought he had a kickoff return, but, but just killed it in the return game. Um, and then, um, you know, Isaiah Spiller had another phenomenal game, over 100 yards. And then I guess this other guy, I didn't even realize it, uh, uh, Devin uh, A-Chain or Akani. Another is, that, is that how they pronounce it? I I, I don't I, know. I, 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 I pronounce it a Connie. It could, I could be. be wrong. It could be. So he had 154 yards. So, dude, I mean, quietly beating teams' asses and moving forward. But they have a really tough schedule coming up. They've got um, Ole Miss, Auburn. 
So two really huge games that they potentially could lose. So um, they then they finish off with some layups, Prairie View, and then the demoralized LSU. But so let's move on. NC State, Miami. Ian, I want to let I'm going to let you talk about this one. <laughs> oh man, um, <laughs> yeah, you know that one. This one sucks. Um, not all my picks, you know, definitely went the way you know I thought they you know were going to. Um, I'll give credit, you know, Miami definitely came out and they came to play. It looks like this whole game, though, you know, it was definitely a back and forth game, but I was just waiting for NC State to take control because they've shown it that they can all season. But all, all this game, they just couldn't put Miami away. They kept Miami in the game. Miami, you know, wasn't, you know, letting them go away um, easy either. Um, but I'll give credit, you know, Miami did a good job, uh, especially on the uh, – Rushing attack, uh, the new quarterback too. I'm uh, oh, sorry, passing attack. Uh, Van Dyke came in. Um, I think it was one of his first couple of games, but I think yeah, he had like over. Uh, oh geez, he had like that uh, wasn't his first game, but it was I think over like 300 yards and four touchdowns. Um, and that they definitely relied on him. Uh, they relied on the passing attack the whole game. Um, this was a game that definitely it was. Went blow for it. It really, obviously, the score indicates it says even as a game you could possibly get. I think there was only one yard difference between the total yardage and time of possession was almost identical. Um, and I remember NC State, you know, kicked the field goal to make it 31 30. And I thought that, you know, I was like, okay, NC State needs to get one more stop, uh, you know, to get back in into this but and, and they did they got the punt uh there's just not a lot of time was left on the clock and you know four plays nothing uh had pretty much went instead of three out went four and out um and then miami just got the first down and drained it so it's definitely uh a very disappointing loss for NC State because I feel like this is a game they could have won, uh, but I think this was definitely by far Miami's best game. They just ran into the wrong team at the wrong time. Yeah, and, you know, again, with this Miami offense, it seems like it's, like, really, like, feast or famine. It you is. know, they're, like, you know, it seems like they're, like, plugging away, and then it's, like, they have huge chunk plays. And if, like, they don't get the chunk plays – then their offense just kind of doesn't score. And um, I don't know. It's uh, surprising that Miami was able to do it against NC State because I liked NC State's defense so far this year. So to see them put up 31 points is kind of uh, remarkable. Um, I don't know. NC State really sh- – it's it sucks that they lost this one because they had everything going for them this year and – they just couldn't win it, but it's good for Miami because winning that game, you know, getting that was a their little... first ACC. That was their first one in conference. Uh, it's terrible. So I don't know what's going to happen with Manny Diaz, but it just doesn't look good for them. Um, you know, I see uh, quite a few more losses. I mean, they they should potentially beat Florida State. They're definitely better than Florida State. That's for sure. Um, but uh, we'll see going forward. Okay, let's move on to. 
We're just going to do this one real quick because this was a blowout. Ohio State blows out Indiana 54 to 7. I don't really have much to say. You know, again, it's these Big Ten teams that aren't very good. You know, this is not the same Indiana team from last year. You know, Penix is not there. Um, you know, CJ Stroud looked good. Uh, Travion, um, I can't remember his last name. Henderson. Henderson. Travion Henderson had a really good game. Um, you know, look. Take this with a grain of salt because some of these bad teams are not a challenge to these good Big Ten teams. Again, like I keep saying, like a broken record, they will get their chances. They have still Michigan State. They still have Michigan. And I think they, Ohio State still has Penn State, too. So they still have three huge games that they have to play the rest of the year. So with that, let's move on. We're going to move on to the Heisman standings. Ian, who do you have in your top whatever number because we've <laughs> kind of we've kind of been all over the place with this we've just been going whatever I'm at four right now i'm at four okay. i added one so, um, so tell I'm, me your top two so my top two are i want not in any particular order but my top ones uh matt corral um and um uh Bijan, uh, uh bryce young uh, yeah. but my other two uh kenny pickett keeping in there um and we mentioned him much earlier um, I'm putting Mordecai in, in the Heisman. He's there tied for most uh, passing yards, uh, uh, passing touchdowns on the year. Only seven interceptions thrown, and he has, t- uh, I think he's top ten in passing yards this year too. Regardless, you know the competition he's facing isn't as tough, but he is definitely putting up, you know, some pretty uh, eye popping numbers. Yeah, and I agree. And we were talking about that earlier. It seems like Mordecai might. Uh... Uh, might uh, be um, um, in the mix for it, but it also is SMU. So like for whatever reason, they're kind of like not thought highly of this year, even though they're undefeated. We'll see. Like I said, once again, they play some big games. So maybe that changes when they play Houston, when they play, um, when they play Cincinnati. So we'll see. Um, the one that I really love that you put on as well. And that I put on is Kenny Pickett because that has gained momentum. I've seen yeah. a lot of people talk about him. So look out for the next couple of weeks. Cause I think, let's see. I'm trying to remember Pitt's schedule. Oh, damn it. I have the cap lock phone. What is going on? I have like this weird, not caps lock, but something's going on with my. Oh, it was caps. Sorry. Oh, I keep pressing something. <laughs> I'm doing. Good lord. Uh, user error. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, we talked about their schedule because they're playing Miami next. That's a a marquee matchup. The rest of the games aren't too difficult, but again, they'll get an ACC championship game. So he has an additional game if they get there to try to uh, win over some voters. So, you know, um, Matt Corral won't get an SEC championship game. So, uh, but Bryce Young will. Uh, Mordecai might be able to get an AAC championship game against a marquee team. So, again, you have to think of those things with the potential of who's – it might come down to the championship games, who ends up uh, getting it. So, uh, interesting. It's kind of like coming – 
things are shaking loose when it seemed like only Bryce Young and Matt Corral were there. And now a couple of people are stepping up. So let's move on to the playoff teams. Uh, Ian, who do you have uh, in your last two out? Uh, so, yeah, my uh, rankings, number one, obviously, is going to be Georgia. Number two is going to be Cincinnati. Uh, after the performance, I did move Alabama up to number three. Um, and I still have Michigan at number four. Uh, right now, they are still undefeated. Uh, number five, Michigan State. And number six, uh, and a very shaky Oklahoma, uh, number six, Oklahoma. I I just – I. I like Oklahoma way better than those other teams just because of their firepower. I don't think those other teams have that much firepower to go up against like a team like Georgia or uh, Alabama. I think those big 10 teams are just going to get smoked by whoever they play. And that's why I don't want to put them up there. And I know that seems like it's biased, but I'm just being a realist on what's going to happen. Plus I already know the fact that they're going to beat each other up. So they're neither, neither of those teams are going to be there. Ohio state will be though, because I think that is the better team of all those big 10 teams. And I think they will guide the waters uh, effectively and get to the playoff. Um, right now I have Ohio state just on the outset. And I really like this Oregon team because they beat Ohio state. And then also, um, beating a very good UCLA team on the road. So I, I know they're inconsistent in some ways, but I really like this Oregon team. I think if they keep going, they still got a good chance of, uh, um, getting to the playoff potentially. All right. Now for the week nine, look ahead. Let's start off with one of the early games, USF, Eastern Carolina. Who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, this one, uh, Eastern Carolina, I know has like, you know, three months, four. Um, look, I don't want to keep, you know, betting against USF, but I, I just don't see it. I hope I'm wrong, but I hope, but I, I just don't think, uh, you know, they can be because they have to go to Eastern Carolina and all that. And they definitely had an opportunity. I think it was last year to beat them. Um, I think it will be closer, uh, but I, I just don't see USF beating ECU right now. Uh, I'm going to take the Pirates in this one. I'm going to go with a a low scoring affair. I'll go 24-19. I just don't think, especially with ECU's uh, offensive struggles, they'll be able to, you know, put up a lot of points. But I think they'll do enough to win. Fair enough, but I think USF has found something. I think Timmy McLean was a little bit dinged up and he didn't play the rest of the game. So potentially as of right now, I don't think he's out of the game, but I think he I think he'll still play. Um, I'm gonna look at that real quick just to be up to date. All right, USF, the Oracle. The Oracle is the USF's uh, student paper. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. It says, I expect him to be able to par- participate in practice Monday. Exactly how much he can do, I don't know yet. My expectation, he is starting quarterback against ECU and will probably be decided sometime Thursday. So it, I know it's a Thursday game, so it, it potentially could not be there. I think he will be there, and I think they're going to win – I'm going to say um, 29 to 17. Okay, next one. Uh, This game could have been a huge game this year, but uh, Wisconsin really kind of shit the bed. But Iowa-Wisconsin, Ian, who do you have in this game? 
Uh, for this one, uh, I'm going to have, uh, you know, this, I think it's going to be your typical uh, drag out, you know, low scoring affair between, uh, you know, the big 10 teams. I'm going to give the edge to Iowa though. I think they just have just enough to put them over the top um, offensively with uh, uh, P Petrus, I think is how you pronounce his name. Petrus, yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, it's not, an, you know, an overly, you know, exciting offensive game. But I do think, you know, based on the two offenses, Iowa's is superior bar barely, especially passing. I think that is going to be enough for the Hawkeyes. I think they're going to win, win this one. Yeah, typical slow-scoring game. I'm going to go, let's go 25-21 Hawkeyes. 25-21. I think it's going to be low-scoring as well, but I think Wisconsin wins this one. I'm going to go with 20-19 to in the upset. So, I don't know. I... I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of Iowa's uh, offense. And I know that Wisconsin has a decent defense. You know, there's still a chance that Iowa can score points on defense, which they've done throughout the year. But I think that uh, Wisconsin's defense is good enough to, to hold Iowa down extremely well. And, you know, they still can move the ball when they need to, Wisconsin-wise. So let's see. That's what I'm going with, uh, Wisconsin pulling this one off. Okay, Cincinnati, Tulane. I'm going to go with – I'm going to say Cincinnati wins this one, but probably a little bit closer than everyone thinks. I'm going to say 35. I'm going to say Tulane, 28. What do you got, Ian? Um, yeah, after uh, last week where Cincinnati just kept Navy into the game, I'm very cautious with Cincinnati. I do think, though, they will pull away in this one. Now, Tulane's offense has been very good this year, uh, but I think with the defensive uh, attack that they're facing, as well as what Desmond Ritter is going to be playing against a very weak uh, defensive Tulane, they'll put up more than enough points. I think there's going to be a, a kind of a high-scoring affair, but Cincinnati pulls away late. I'm going to go with a 45-21 to 21 win for the Bearcats. So you think they're going to blow them out pretty much? Towards the uh, yeah, they'll they'll blow them out towards the end. It'll be I, I will say going in a halftime, the score will probably be like twenty four to fourteen or something. It'll be like a, well, that's not a one score game. It'll be a one score game going into halftime, but Cincinnati will run away with it. I just don't think Tulane's defense is capable enough to really prevent this kind of a uh, attack that Cincinnati has. Yeah, and I, you know, I've really liked the Cincinnati team. I know the game against Navy was close, but again, you know, it's triple option, all that shit. Like, you know, you'd really never know with uh, what is going to happen there. But I like the Cincinnati team, and I think they're going to recover, but I still think it's going to be close for some reason. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that Tulane, you know, when they were very punchy against Oklahoma earlier in the year, and uh, I think they're just going to come – they're going to come close in this one. Okay. Big game. We've been talking about these big 10 uh, schedules getting tighter and tighter, getting bigger and bigger matchups. And we get one finally. Okay. Michigan going up against Michigan state. Ian, what do you have in this one? Uh, this one? Yeah. The whole big brother versus little brother matchup between these two. Um, it's going to be, you know, another exciting game with these guys. Um, if I had to take a pick, 
I'm I'm going to be pulling towards Michigan once again, only for the fact that Michigan's rushing attack has shown how effective it can be against a solid defense. And not only that, Michigan State's defense hasn't been overly, you know, great. Um, they do a good job at limiting the run, but I think Michigan's run will overpower them, and I think that'll open up the passing game. And I understand Michigan's pa- passing with, you know, uh, I think currently it's uh, Kate McNamara is the quarterback, but it's kind of a revolving door um, so far this season. Uh, but I think Michigan wins this one in a very close one. I'll go on a game-winning field goal. Michigan wins this one 31-30. to You know, I think this is going to be a close game. I mean, you know how much of a fan I am of Michigan State so far this year. I've been talking about them all year long. This is the proving ground, though, for both of these teams, though. It really is. Like, if these two teams are going to be something, one of them will prove themselves here to in this game. And, you know... Doesn't mean the other team is dead in the water completely because one loss is not the end for almost anyone, uh, especially in the playoff. But this is it. Like, if there's going to be a team that beats Ohio State, it's going to be one of these two teams. And depending on what happens Saturday, the one that seems to be better, that I think is better, I think is Michigan State. Michigan has played little to no one. I don't think there's a really team on their schedule that the, I consider a strong team so far this year. With that being said, Michigan State probably hasn't either, really, for the most part. They played Miami on the road, which, you know, that's somewhat of a tough game, but Miami's not as good as they have been in years past. But I like this Michigan State team. I think they're a very complete team. Offense, defense, they, they can they can mix it up both. Um, they they have a good passing attack and they have a good running attack. Um, I like Michigan State in this one. I'm going to go 31-25, and uh, it's going to be close, though. And I'm thinking it's going to be maybe not a, a field goal at the end, but maybe like uh, um, Michigan State is up and then Michigan gets closer at the end. And then like Michigan state has to run out the clock at the end of the type game. Okay. Yeah. Next one, Miami going up against Pitt. Ian, who do you have in this one? Uh, this one, I I'm going to have the pit in this one. I think uh, I, I did make a bet in this one. Kenny Pickett will at least throw one interception in this game. I said that. <laughs> that's going to be my bold prediction. I don't, I, I don't know if that counts as an upset pick, but that is a prediction. I think, you know, Miami's defense is going to be enough, and the secondary is definitely solid enough to force an interception. But I don't think that's going to be, be the be-all and end-all of the game. I think Pitt will win this one and handle it. I don't think Miami is necessarily going to walk away and they're going to get run out of the building, but I think Pitt will do enough to just subdue the Hurricanes' attack. Uh, so I'm going to have Pitt in this one. Kind of a high-scoring one. I'm going to go with a 35-21 win uh, for the Panthers. I like Pitt in this game. I like Kenny Pickett, like we've discussed already. And uh, going forward, this is a huge showcase for him. I don't think they're going to score a lot up against Miami. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be 28-22. And... um, Again, Miami gets another loss, which is, I think, four at this point, maybe even more. I don't know. It's uh, no, ridiculous. this would be their fifth. Yeah, exactly. So five losses already, which is 
un- inexcusable at a school like Miami, especially oh, just frustrating. I would, it'd be very tough to, it's very hard to see Manny Diaz continuing after this year. I mean, maybe he gets next year, but if it continues like this next year, he won't be there long. Okay. Texas Baylor. I'm going to go with this one first. I want to say it. I don't think Baylor is the strongest team that everyone likes to think. I think they've done well. Um, I'm not like amazed by their offense. You know, they've got a good rushing attack, but I don't really like their passing game. Uh, They've been in a lot of low scoring games, so their defense has been solid. But I like Texas to score a lot of points here. I'm going to say Texas wins 42 and say Baylor has like 28. That's what I'm going with. What do you got, Ian? Uh, yeah, I guess this counts as my upset pick of the week. Um, now credit last time I picked Texas as an upset pick of the week, I looked like I was going to be right. And then, you know, they were running away with, uh, the game against Oklahoma state and then they just fell apart. So here we go. Second time's the charm. Uh, Texas will win this one, but they're not going to run away with it. This is actually going to be a pretty close game. Uh, both defenses have not done that good of a job. I think Baylor's defense is actually better but I just don't think they've placed an attack against Texas, especially with a running running attack with uh, B. John Robinson. So I'm going to have the Longhorns uh, in this one uh, in a definitely a close battle, but I'm going to go with them. And then let's say a 37 to 31 victory over the bears. Nice. Okay. Another big 12 matchup, Iowa state going up against West Virginia, Iowa state newly ranked again, in a matchup against a, you know, KG West Virginia team. Who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, this one, um, you know, I, I think Iowa State will win this one. Um, West Virginia is definitely kind of having uh, the down year. Um, Doenge Do- and, uh, and the quarterback play of uh, the offense hasn't been as there as we've expect, you know, they're just not having the same offensive attack as we're used to for the Mountaineers. But I think Iowa State, and especially with how good their defense has looked in the Big 12, uh, is going to provide enough problems. I think Iowa State wins this one in a, I'm going to go 28 to 7. 28 to 7? Yes, uh, Cyclones. Okay. Sorry, I kind of cut out. Okay. Uh... I would save this for later, but let's just let's hell let's let's jump into it. We haven't really talked much about Florida except for a little bit here and there. The big game, and I'm not going to call it what I have it written down because it's just written down that way because Florida is the home team. But Florida, Georgia, you know this used to be my favorite game, and it's 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 been pretty much my favorite game the last like 20 years, um, especially when I lived in Jacksonville because I lived in Jacksonville for uh, three years for law school. And uh, even the year before I went to law school there, um, I went to the game. uh, I went up to the landing, which doesn't exist anymore, which was a great place to go watch the game. Cause I don't know if you ever went up there, Ian, during a Florida Georgia game, but they used to have uh, this huge like downtown area called the landing. And they always showed it on TV during the games because it was packed. It was like, like, yeah, yeah, it, I, I definitely. Oh, I've seen it on TV, dude. It was the it was the craziest shit. I just remember so much shit going down during those games. Like my friend somehow snuck in a huge 
a gator flag on this like flagpole and like somehow got it into this area, which it was like, there was security and everything. I don't know how he did it. That's what my friend said. It was the year before I went, but um, no, nah, it was just, you know, so many wild times. You know, there was so many, like, it was basically like a um, Gasparilla, like in Florida, you know, in, in Tampa. Well, Florida's Ebor. cocktail party, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was just, it was just, you know, like New Orleans or anything like that, where it's just a crazy amount of people and, you know, it just ridiculous stuff would happen. And it was great times. I had a lot of fun. Um, you know, the years that I was there in Jacksonville and the year before I, uh, uh, went there for law school was the years that uh, urban was still there and Tim Tebow was there. And so there was like, you know, the year with all the timeouts, the year with the Georgia rushing the field after the touchdown. And then like, you know, so many good games. There was then the one, the overtime win that like, yeah, Chaz Henry, the yeah, Chaz Henry, the, the field goal. And then uh, Will Hill, like, uh, intercepted a ball and almost ran it back for a touchdown and like in overtime and like crazy games in those couple of years that I was there. And even like uh Tebow broke Herschel Walker's, Herschel Walker's rushing record in yeah, 2009, record in which that was game. very, yeah. uh, some, you know, very appropriate. Oh yeah. And it was cool as hell. I was there at that game and I, you know, he came into the end zone that we were at scoring that touchdown. So that was badass. Um, but yeah, so uh crazy couple of years and you know, this rivalry had kind of gone the other way where Georgia was winning the last three years before last year. And it was great to see Florida get that victory last year because, you know, I was getting upset as a fan just watching Georgia demolish Florida every year. You know, the one year when McElwain got fired was kind of... It was like 42 to 6 or something like that. 42 yeah. to 7, yeah. Like, I don't really know how you could consider that. Like, that's almost like throw it away. Because, like, he was he was on the verge of being fired and literally the next day was fired. So, it's like, how much credence do you really give Georgia for, like, beating a team that's a lame duck team, you know? But regardless, the next year they played him okay, Georgia kind of ran away with it. And then the year after that with Trask, it was a one score game uh, into the end. And then last year where Florida just smoked them. And uh, I, as much as I'm want to be a realist as often as I can, almost everything I do when it comes to games like this, I almost always go with my heart, which I hate because I'm not really thinking logically with these decisions. But the biggest talking point, let's well, let's first talk about it for a second before I go into my pick. Dude, Anthony Richardson has to play this game. He has to start. He has to play the whole game. I don't care. I saw something. Okay, I got to tell you this. Okay, so I saw um, the SEC Inside, which is the SEC's network's like – uh, daily show they do on uh, the show from like six to seven. It comes on, you know, when they just talk about what's going on in the SEC uh, uh, conference. And it was Roman Harper and Matt Stinchcomb. And both of those guys had no idea what they were talking about when it came to Anthony Richardson. And I was just like blown away. Cause they, the one guy, Matt Stinchcomb was saying like, how the only thing that Anthony Richardson has gotten was because of broken plays and busted plays. I was like, what dude, are you watching this guy play? Do you understand how he's yeah. like reading defenses and making great reads? And, uh, 
you know, uh, tremendous arm strength. And like, I, dude, I just, I wonder with some of these guys, I'm like, do they actually watch these games? Do they truly know what they're talking about? Because I mean, Stinchcomb was an offensive lineman, so he may not know necessarily what to look for in a quarterback. The other guy was Roman Harper, who was, uh, I think is a safety or a cornerback in, in, and at Alabama and in the pros, but I don't know. These guys just had no idea what they were talking about, but regardless, Anthony Richardson needs to play and he needs to come up big in this game, which I think he will. If he does play and he does start, I think he'll come up big. And I think if that happens, then Florida is going to win this game and I'm going to go with Florida winning. I think they're going to win 35 to 31. That's what I'm going with. God, I love your optimism. <laughs> like, like I'm, I, I will be the first. I'm a diehard Gator fan. I don't care what happens with this team for the rest of my life. I will forever bleed orange and blue. Um, I love this team to death, and I forever will. Just like the fights on through all kinds of weather, we all stick together. I've been saying that. Uh, I've been saying that a lot in down years. Um, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be a forty-two to six game, but I remember saying this if LSU did that rushing not just offense just rushing against our defense god pray what happens to Georgia because Georgia as I've been saying all year is a run heavy team it doesn't matter I've been saying that all year JT Daniels Stetson Bennett pull freaking Matthew Stafford back in there. It doesn't matter. They're not a team that's built on quarterbacks because they don't need a quarterback. It's all built on, you know, run, 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 have the safeties and linebackers creep up and then throw the play action pass. That's why a lot of those, uh, you know, you don't see a lot of Georgia quarterbacks pass more than like 15, 20 times a game. Now, if you don't give them a reason to pass the ball, there's no need to pass it. And I just think with how weak the defense has been, Georgia just might put the stranglehold on this game and just keep time of possession away from Florida because they know. And what I'm hoping the, the problem is Kirby Smart isn't a he's an idiot for the offense. I'll give him that. Kirby Smart's a genius defensively, and he definitely knows the best thing to do. And he knows what team's weapons are. He knows to keep the ball out of our the offense's hands. So if he limits the clock and limits, you know playtime that the Gators will have. He knows that keeps the offense off the field and that knows that's our big strength. Regardless of what you say about, you know, Dan Mullen and how he handles the whole offense and that, the offense is still looking pretty solid this year with the exception of the Kentucky game. They scored 42 points against LSU. That should be enough to win. But I think they're just not going to have enough time on the field. And again, they haven't played a team like Georgia defensively. Georgia is probably the best defense in the country. And it might show in this game. I again, I love the Gators to death. I will, and I hope God, I pray I'm wrong. But I think Georgia just is too good. I, they just are, and I just have them running away with it. My score with this one: uh, Bulldogs thirty-seven, Gators seventeen. When you talk of how good the offense is and how good Dan Mullen is as an offensive mind, but you don't think he's going to score more than 17 points? I don't think it's not that I don't think he. The problem is, is that I don't think Georgia is going to give him enough time on the field, too. Now, I think he's going to score, like make big plays, but Georgia just doesn't like their defense. It's just so suffocating and forcing, you know, 
you know, just making forcing mistakes and not giving teams m- much room. The way they attack is having the, you know, attack from the outside and not giving because they know the defensive line is just so solid up front that they can have the linebackers and secondary attack from the side. So there's really nowhere you can go, especially rushing, which is what Florida has relied on this year. If they and Georgia knows that too, all they have to do is keep the linebackers up because they know the rushing attack has been the biggest thing for them uh this year for florida i just what what do you think of what do you think of the offense with anthony richardson in there now this is difference is it a different offense than what it is with um with emory jones in there it is a difference but this is going to be the problem now regardless of who's starting whoever has the ball and i think richardson will and should have more snaps the problem is, and, and it has shown, and it's not a big deal. It, it's normal with this type of quarterback. Richardson, in times when the pressure is on him, does make the bad play. He had it against Vanderbilt. Had it, had it against uh, twice against LSU. It's not, you know, that's normal for a guy that's, you know, very fresh. And that's exactly what George is going to do. They're going to get in his face and make him feel uncomfortable. Now, how Anthony Richardson reacts to that early is going to be the biggest key. I think he can he can and will react to it good. It's just I don't think I I just don't think it's you know he, just him is going to be enough for the Gators to win, especially with how poor the defense has been. I I think Florida will definitely get the big plays and get scores on the board. I just think with how Georgia is going to run this, they're just going to keep the ball away from Florida. And the defense is going to do everything they can to throw monkey wrenches into the offense because they know we're primarily a running team now. And Georgia's done a pretty good job of limiting the run. So, that you know, that's my my take on it. I, I am praying. I, this is a one take I hope I am wrong on. Watch <laughs> me be right. I, I was right. I was right on the score for Georgia and Kentucky. So, I mean, I, I probably will be on this crap. <laughs> you know, I um... – I think this team is capable of playing anybody. They proved it against Alabama, even with just Emory as the quarterback. I think they can play with this team. I think they can play with Georgia. And I think that's the difference there. It's like it, and I think they know that too, especially playing against, you know, Alabama and playing so close. I think they know that they can they can beat these top teams. Um, it's a shame that they have three losses because they really, they really shouldn't have lost to Kentucky and they really should have beaten LSU. I'm have no problem with losing a, a Alabama because Alabama, um, is a really good team, but they should have beaten those two teams. And if they had beaten those two teams right now, they'd only have one loss and they'd have everything to play for, but it is not that way. They do have those three losses and they don't have much to play for, but with that caveat, they do have this game to play for, and they have a huge chance to ruin Georgia's season, which I think that's another motivating factor for all of them. It's, it's an like, incentive. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, it's a that's huge incentive, incentive for like, every rivalry game. Because this is like Georgia's best chance probably ever, you know, like to get a, a championship since 1980. So I don't know. I just – I think Anthony Richardson can do it. I really like the way he uh, has commanded the offense and the way that they play. The offense seems energized when he's in there. It's a different offense. Um, You know, with him 
with the rushing attack in general just looks better because, you know, they look to stop him because he's so explosive that they can't put too much focus on the running backs. So the running backs get loose. I don't know. I'll, um, I'm excited for this game regardless. I can't wait for it. 1230 on Saturday. Um, we both had our predictions were split, but I still think, uh, we'll have a good game. And, uh, you know, regardless of Ian's 37, 17 blowout pick, but okay, let's move uh, I on. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I yeah. Hope Let, I'm wrong. Let's go through these last couple real quick. Okay. Texas tech, Oklahoma. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with Oklahoma 42 and, uh, Texas tech, like, uh, 20. What do you got in? I'm pretty close. Um, Oklahoma 48, uh, Tech 25. Okay. Yeah, not far off. Um, okay, next one, Colorado, Oregon. Probably another blowout, uh, but Oregon likes to play down to their their uh, opponent. So uh, I'm going to say Oregon wins um, 32 to 17. What do you got, Ian? Uh, this one I think it's actually going to be, you know, Oregon's game all day. Uh, Colorado offense has been very poor this year. And I think, you know, Oregon's defense, which I think is the best in the Pac-12, um, is going to really shut them down. So I'm going to go Oregon 38, Colorado 6. Whoa, blowout city. Okay. FSU, Clemson. Who you got, man? <laughs> Yikes. Uh, <laughs> um, you know what? I think Clemson wins this, but holy cow, Florida State doesn't give them a run for their money. Okay. Um, I'm going to have Clemson winning this one. Uh, 32, you know what? No, 27 to 21 uh, for Clemson and a very close one. I'm going to say Clemson wins this one. It's going to be close because their offense has been just putrid all year. And I'm going to say it's going to be like 24 to 17 because I do like Clemson's defense. Wake Forest Duke, who do you got in this one? Um, I have Wake Forest in this one. Um, Duke is, you know, I, I think it's actually going to be more of an even game than people think. Uh, so I think Duke will hang in there, but I have uh, Wake Forest uh, winning this one. I'm going to go with, uh, let's say, 32-19, uh, Demon Deacons. Yeah, I'm going to go with 34 to. 20. So I'm not far off from you. Um, okay. Another huge game. There's a couple that we're still going to talk about, but this one, I love this one. I love this matchup. I don't know why I just really intrigued by this one. Ole Miss Auburn, dude, who do you got in this one? Uh, I think with this one, uh, Auburn's going to rely on the run game, especially with tank Bigsby. Uh, but I think, uh, Ole Miss's, uh, firepower is just going to be too much. Now, I think it's going to be more of a trouble than Ole Miss is used to. I think they're going to struggle early against this Auburn defense, but I think they get enough uh, late in the game and wear them out uh, to get the win. So I'm going to have the Rebels winning this one close, but uh, they'll pull it out. I'm going to go with 34 to to 30. (laughs) I'm not far off. I got 38-30. I love this team. I love Ole Miss. I love everything about them. I love – uh, Lane Kiffin. I love Matt Corral. I love their offense. I love the way they are aggressive. They go for it on fourth, whenever, wherever the hell they are on the field. I love that shit. That's probably my favorite type of offense. I'm sorry, but you know, 
almost punting is like the dumbest thing that you can do in college football, because, you know, if you are still on the field, you'll, you raise your chances of winning the game. That's basically what it comes down to with college football. The longer you're on the field, the more chances you have of scoring and the more, um, uh, you're taking away the other team's opportunity to score. So I love Ole Miss's offense. I don't love their defense, but it's going to be close. 38-30, uh, like I said. Okay, big game in the AAC. I got It's SMU going up against Houston. I'm going to go first on this one. I love Mordecai. We've talked about it uh, already. You have him in your Heisman. I, uh, I know he's going to put up points. This Houston team's kind of been lurking in the mix. Uh, little technical difficulties, but we're back. Uh, we were talking about the uh, SMU-Houston game. Um, I've got – I'm going to go with SMU in this one. I'm going to say SMU wins uh, – I'm going to say 44, I'm going to say to 31. What do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, I'm right there. Uh, there, I think SMU is going to win this one, but I think they're actually going to, you know, put up enough, a lot more points. Um, Houston as well, offensively, is not as equal to SMU, so I think SMU will score more. Uh, I'm going to go with the Mustangs of this one, 45 to 27. Okay, next one. Interesting game, Kentucky, Mississippi State. Does Kentucky continue – their great season, or do they get bested by Mike Leach and his love for candy corn? His auntie love. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. I just, uh, I'm just yeah. <laughs> I think with this one, um, this is definitely an interesting game, but I know Mississippi State's um, uh, defense, especially the rushing defense, uh, hasn't been you know, overly impressive, but neither has Kentucky's. Um, so this is actually kind of a much more equal game than people think. So it's going to be pretty close. I think Kentucky wins one, but by literally the skin of their teeth, it's going to be close, but I have Kentucky winning this one, uh, 27 to 25. Yeah. I, I like Mississippi state in this one. I think Mississippi state's going to be able to move the ball. Um, I don't remember how they did last year against, uh, Mark Stoops. Cause I know that's their. Um, they're locked in um, cross divisional opponent. Um, let me see that real quick. I want to make sure I'm not misstating anything. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, wow. Mississippi State only scored two points last year. So maybe Mark <laughs> Stoops can um, come up with something in this game. Uh I still like Mississippi State. I think he can move the ball. I'm going to say Mississippi State wins 31-20. Let's move on real quick. Okay, let's do let's do a couple of these real quick, and then we'll do one of these last. So, uh, USC, Arizona, who do you got in that one? Uh, this one, oh, boy. <laughs> not not, not offers a good game, uh, but I think with this one, I'm going to go with USC just based on the talent they have. Uh, I think I'll run away with it. Uh, not an overly exciting game, but 30 to 10 will be my score for the Trojans. Um, I don't know too much about this Arizona team. Just the only thing I do know is that they're not very good. Um, I'm going to say 28 USC um, over 
Arizona, and I'm going to say Arizona scores like uh, 17. Okay, uh, North Carolina, Notre Dame. Who do you got in that one, Ian? Um, probably unsurprisingly uh, to many, this is my upset pick of the week. Whoa, uh, red alert, red alert. <laughs> um, Notre Dame just hasn't been – impressive all year and i do think with the you know offense of sam howell and north carolina i think they're going to be enough my thought of it is yeah you know north carolina lost to florida state but florida state gave notre dame a way tougher time than they were supposed to and i still think north carolina has the superior offense so i'm going to go with north carolina in this one um i'm going to go with a 33 to 24 win for the tar heels I think that Notre Dame is going to win largely the fact that just have been somewhat okay this year, not like anything too impressive, but they've done enough to be able to beat, you know, these lesser teams. They didn't beat Cincinnati, obviously. Um, I like Notre Dame in this one just because I don't love North Carolina this year. I really don't. They've struggled against a lot of teams. You know, they barely beat Miami, and then they got beat by Florida State pretty handedly. I'm going to go with Notre Dame 27-24 in a close one. Okay, last one of these real quick ones, and then we'll get into a long one. But UCLA, Utah, I'm going to say UCLA wins this one. I'm going to say 31 and Utah 28, so a close one as well. What do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, You know, with this one, I think – I think UCLA is going to win this one, but it's going to be close. And I think they're going to have to ride on the back of the Russian attack uh, again uh, with this. I know uh, with Utah, they definitely have the edge, um, especially uh, with uh, probably the quarterback play. Uh, But I think, you know, it's it's again, this is a game where it's probably more even than people think. uh, But I think UCLA wins this one in a close one. I'm going to go. Let's say let's go 35 to 31 for the Bruins. 35, 31. Okay. Next one. Are we keeping it last? Cause I wanted to talk about this cause it's a pretty big game. Penn state going up against Ohio state kind of lost some of its luster with Penn state losing to Illinois, but still a huge game. Um, who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, this I think again, this will be a, a much closer than people think. I know that I saw the spread on this and it was like 20, it was like 20 something points or whatever for, or no, no, no. It was like 18 for Ohio state right now. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that. Um, I think Penn state will definitely keep it, you know, within striking distance, but I think Ohio state just has too much. They're definitely playing a lot better. They're uh way better than that team that, you know, played Oregon. Uh, so I'm going to have the Buckeyes winning this one. I think they're starting to hit their groove. I'm going to go with a 38 to 21 win. Uh, wait, hang on. No, 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 no. Let's go 38 to 27 just to prove my point against the spread. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I think – Ohio State's going to rip them a new one, and I think Ohio State's going to also keep them in check offensively. They didn't do much of anything against Illinois. What It's safe to say that they probably won't do much against Ohio State. I have uh, Ohio State winning this one 45-20 to 20, uh, in a blowout. So that's our games. That's our week. 
There's a lot of big games, Florida, Georgia. We're all looking forward to that one. Uh, Ian, what are your socials real quick before we go? Yes. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, capital G underscore Gator underscore capital G. You can reach us at haterradio.com. Ian will have an article about the uh, preview for the Florida Georgia game on Friday. Um, I might have another article talking about uh, Dan Mullen and Anthony Richardson and the trajectory of the program. Uh, look forward to those on haterradio.com. You can reach us at hater underscore radio on both Insta and Twitter and also on uh, YouTube as well for under hater radio. And that will give that new video that we have of the USF Florida game. So that's the show. Thank you everybody for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Ian, take care, brother. These are magic.